This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Whoa, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He oh, it. oh, he's the one. Bunty up the 10. Bunty up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello, and welcome to the Republic of Football show that will not get clips of the internet making fun of us taken down. Please don't put in the newspaper that I got mad. <laughs> Next to me is Mike Craven. Jeez. Mike, what's up? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. Thank you. How'd you like last week's? And sitting over there. <laughs> I knew that was coming, so I switched <laughs> to the one shot of Ish because I knew that was coming. <laughs> sitting over there, ignoring that question. He's everyone's favorite Hi, producer. Mal Pow. Everyone's favorite good Mal Pow. Good to be here. Yes. Mallory Hartley. I got that mixed yes. up. Yes. So. Good to be here. Good yeah. to be here. Anyway, we're done with the Bobcat slander now that I'm back. So oh, we're not done with that. We never will be done with that. We're suspending the Bobcat slander. <laughs> Until they play somebody other than FIU. <sighs> Listen, they got to win Yikes. this week. I don't want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably not going to get a win this upcoming week. But regardless, <clears throat> we are the Republic of Football. If you're watching us live, hello. Thank you for watching on um, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, online at the website as well. Um, anywhere else. I don't know. Is Twitch up yet? Because I know Twitch was down for a while. I don't think so. Uh, who cares? <laughs> anyway. We're uh, everywhere else, though, I promise. That's, that's, <laughs> not my, that's not my part of my job. So I'm just here to talk to you. If you are not listening to us, uh, watching us live, you are listening to us on the podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that. Thank you as well. Please continue to support. We will remind you of that at the end because we like to do that and it helps the numbers supposedly i don't know we have good numbers so i like to think it does something yeah. on today's show we're going to talk about obviously the upcoming week all that we'll preview the big games our games of the week we don't have many headlines so we're just going to really kind of segue into that we have some minor ones but then we're going to segue into the games basically right away but first there was a little bit of a news drop uh just before we started recording smu in oklahoma Oklahoma, of course, going to the SEC, and so they kind of have a, a, a non-conference game that's kind of getting ripped up, yeah. right? Uh, I believe Tennessee and what was the other one? Georgia. And Georgia. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, that's going to be a conference game, so they need to fill a slot. Hello, SMU. So, this will be a home-and-home. Home. This will be a, in Norman in next season in 2023, and then in 2027, SMU will get the benefit of that, and they will Oklahoma will come to Dallas and play in Ford, which will be really cool because, of course, Dallas is only like three hours from Oklahoma, from Norman. So that should be a pretty cool atmosphere both ways. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to that. Someone said that they might try and get it to be played at AT&T Stadium, which would be pretty cool. I don't know if, if SMU's got a bigger, big enough following for that, you yeah, know, to yeah. have it there. But yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool to see if, you know, Jerry would try and get that game to be played there but it's a smart scheduling situation for smu because you're going to sell out ford 
You yeah. know, like yeah. even if, if AT and T doesn't work yeah, out, that's a good you point. will sell out your home stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, how fast that point. sells out probably will dictate if it moves to a bigger venue or not. But yeah. there's so many Oklahoma grads in Dallas. I mean, that's why the Red River rivalry is here, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. as close to Norman as it is to Austin up here in DFW. So I think it's a smart move for SMU that ne- the game next year, you know, looks really exciting the way SMU's playing, Red Lashley's offense versus Brent Venerable's defense. I think it's a good test for Oklahoma. It's one of those G five teams that doesn't look like an easy win. Sure. But it should be a win. And then for SMU, it's a, it's a chance to, to make some money, sell out your home stands, and yeah. then, you know, maybe pull an upset. Yep. I'm very much looking forward to that one next year. And actually, that was it. So we don't have any headlines. So anyway, moving on to the other part of this is not really a headline, but a kind of a news drop we had um, on the website or an article drop, I should say. If you remember the Sunday episode, we talked a little bit about Jimbo Fisher and kind of his legacy and kind of asking the question is he the quarterback guru that we kind of mm-hmm. expected him to be or that Anim's paying him to be right um we kind of had the idea of maybe you take away Jameis Winston you maybe throw him EJ Manuel right outside of those two guys and really just the two-year span under Winston because Manuel really didn't lead a national title right. contending team so you really take away those two years from Jameis Winston and what do you really have do you really have a guy who should be paid like Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, things like that. Even a Ryan Day, if you want to, as well. Even though Ryan Day hasn't had a national title appearance, but still. So Craven this morning dropped an article that uh, basically naturally from that conversation, Craven had an article idea. Dropped an article today from zero to hero. Criticism faces Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M offense following Week Two loss to App State. And in the article, Craven breaks down the numbers poses the question, hey, has Jimbo Fisher ever really been an explosive offensive guy? And first of all, I wanted to recommend everybody to go read it. It is a good breakdown on just his whole career, his time at AM, and just kind of one, what AM expects of him, two, what he is, mm-hmm. and three, does that need to change? Right? Is is because a lot you're hearing a lot of talk of offensive coordinator, of different play caller obviously quarterback and all that might be the quick fix that can happen immediately but Craven kind of when you when you were going into this article and kind of constructing it what were what were your what were kind of some tentpole thoughts that you had so first I wanted to look up passing yards per game Mm -hmm. and just kind of see where that was at so from 2012 to 2014 specifically in that 2013 year that's kind of the zenith of of Jimbo Fisher's offensive prowess yep. right like those teams were those best teams won a lot of football games won a national championship in 2013 they were throwing for 316 yards per game 317 yards for, per game in that range back then his first year at a and it was 252 second year at a and 235 third year at a and 234 last year 208 so the trend is moving down mm-hmm. right and so when you're getting paid you know i think there was a time where you know, A&M winning eight, nine games in the SEC was acceptable. Yeah. Uh, but if you're paying a guy $10 million a year, if his buyout is close to $90 million, if it's all guaranteed and you gave him an extension in 2021 that kind of just re-upped that, right? Yep. You're paying him to be like the coaches you, you talked about, and he just has not been. Mm-hmm. Um, in the six years following the 2014 season, Jimbo Fisher's 49 and 23. You know, that's not – you know, that's Mississippi State. Yeah. That's Ole Miss. And we kind of saw – I mean – Florida State is still trying to get back up to what he left them with. Right? Yeah, I mean, I they're think, five and seven the last year he was there. Right, and I think like a lot of people, I don't know. To me, if you ask a lot of Florida State fans, and that could be a biased source, sure enough. But I think a lot of them are willing to say like 
he didn't leave us much. Right. It mm-hmm. wasn't from a team coming off a national title and having a number one overall draft picking draft pick quarterback. Like, you know, Bud Elliott at two four seven now, he's of course is, is closely tied to the to the Florida State recruiting scene. He's like, they had no FBS linemen. Like that was not an FBS offensive line, let alone a power five offensive line when he left. And obviously he's done better here at AM than you know, the the talent is here, right? Maybe he did have a bit of um I think David Ubbin in the in the in his research more or less said like AM was reaching out to him that year like early. Mm-hmm. Right. So he, maybe he was checked out. Sure, fair enough. But I think there is something to be said about how something cratered so quickly, right? From going from a national title caliber team to where to 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 being perceived now as this builder and this genius. And I I kind of agree that we talked about this where it's gotten to the point where maybe he's not the coordinator he used to be but he could be the builder sure he's built something you you hired jimbo for two reasons yeah to acquire talent and to play really good offense and he's done one of those yeah they've acquired talent texas a&m's the fifth most talented team in the country according to the blue chip ratio by bud elliott that Mm -hmm. you know that means that four and five stars right that's how many are four and five they have the the fifth most talented roster in the country uh, but he's 25 and 13 in three full seasons at A&M. I think we gave way too much credit to that 2020 season mm-hmm. when they went nine and one. But everything was so weird that year. It's hard to take anything from it, whether sure. good or bad. A lot yeah. of teams that are always good had a bad year that year. You know, Baylor went two and seven that mm-hmm. year, for example, right? So if we just throw out 2020, just throw that out. He's 25 and 13 in, in three full seasons. He's lost at least four games in each of those three seasons. This is what A&M is. They're an eight and four program. But the expectations, because of the money and the recruiting classes, have grown beyond that. Mm-hmm. And they want to be Georgia. I think Kirby Smart at Georgia is the roadmap for what Jimbo Fisher was trying to do at A&M. Kirby Smart went 8-5 and five in his first season in charge at Georgia. They hadn't won less than 10 games since, yep. right? And so that next step just hasn't been taken at A&M. It didn't get taken after the Johnny Manziel years, where that kind of gave them some momentum. It's not getting done now during the Jimbo years, where that was supposed to to get them to the top. This is a team that was ranked sixth in the preseason polls two years in a row, last Mm -hmm. year and this year. They go eight and four last year, and all we hear from College Station is, wait till we get our quarterback back. Mm -hmm. They get their quarterback back, they run 38 plays against App State. They lose 17 to 14, 13 of 20 in the passing game, not even for 100 yards. It's right. a bigger problem than just who's playing quarterback. This is a defensive world that is caught up to what Jimbo Fisher tries to do, mm-hmm. and Jimbo Fisher hasn't taken the next step. We saw this happen to Nick Saban, and he went and hired Lane Kiffin and changed the whole concept of that team. They, they recruit five-star quarterbacks now, right. and they go score 40 points. We've seen – Georgia make you know transitions we've seen Oklahoma make tra- we just have not seen it through Jimbo Fisher I think the noise is getting louder and louder to where I'd be surprised if he doesn't bring in an OC by the time this time next year by the time the start of the 2023 three season I'll be surprised if Jimbo's still calling plays yeah I think you mentioned Saban and Smart kind of adjusting and I think that's a great point because he's being paid to be those guys right the only other precedent we have for a national title winning coach taking another job is Saban, right? That's mm-hmm. like the closest peer as far as that's concerned. And so obviously Saban went to the NFL and then came back to college, but the point still stands. When Saban realized he had to hire Lane Kiffin, right? He couldn't hire the Jim McElwains anymore, right? He couldn't hire the, the one back systems that they used to have. He needed to spread it out. Since then, 
he's maintained that, right? We can talk about, you know, we can make fun of Bill O'Brien and all that stuff, but, like, he is a modern offensive coach, right? Steve Sarkeesian, same way, modern offensive coach. He hasn't looked back. You look at Kirby Smart. What was the thing that lost Georgia that national title game? It was offense. He went and brought in Jeff Monken, right? And so you go and get an offensive mind. And then even defensively, I think they've adjusted. Neither Kirby Smart nor Nick Saban has called plays. At in Georgia, or in a while, right? He, Kirby Smart called him at Alabama, obviously, and Saban probably—I can't even remember. I have to look back. He might have called him early. Yeah, I think but the he, first two issues, maybe, but he delegated to right. Kirby Smart, right. right? And then you look at the guys he's hired since then: Jeremy Pruitt, Pete Golding. Um, uh, there's an, there's another name I'm there. Mel for Tucker. Again. Well, that's a uh, Kirby Smart. Oh yeah, yeah. So Kirby Smart, yeah. But to your point, Kirby Smart hires Mel Tucker, Dan Lanning, right? Play callers. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? Nick Saban realized when Johnny Manziel was beating his butt. You know what? My linebackers are too slow. Right, I can't have these guys, and so he adjusted. Uh, similar to and he went uh, and recruited the Johnny Manzels. Right, exactly. You know, he he start, yeah, like, he started. He started. Like, you know, like, well, right. I got to win with those guys. Right. Right. right, right. And so they've adjusted, and we're seeing the benefits. Right now, Georgia. Who knows? Maybe this year, Georgia. It really is the year that they really take the step forward and be that premier program, even across the way. Because you can say, oh, it's offensive versus defensive philosophy. Lane Kiffin didn't call plays for Ole Miss last year. It was Jeff Levy. Right. You look at somebody like a I'm trying to think of another example. Um, uh, Dabo Swinney. Yep. He was an offensive coach, offensive coordinator for Clemson. He, he hasn't called plays. Right. Jeff Scott's called plays. Um, I forgot that Tony Elliott called plays for Clemson. Like you realize Chad Morris. Chad Morris. That's a great point, too. Chad Morris was his first offensive coordinator at Clemson. So like you adjust with how you see the game. If the game is passing you by, you let other people in the room. Right, you look. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm not seeing this right, or I'm not seeing maybe my offense is too complicated or whatever. Because Jimbo Fisher notoriously has like a seven thousand page playbook that an eighteen year old has to dissect and be able to be able to to put together. And sometimes, unless you have a Jameis Winston, you can't get it done. So it is it is something to keep keep an eye on because you mentioned it in your article. The quick fix is the quarterback. Right, I don't know. See what we see. What different? See what different uh, results happen when you change Max Johnson or Connor Wigman in for Haynes King, but that's not something that's going to last through an offseason, yeah. especially if this season turns out the way it possibly can. And we'll we'll get to their next game up in a bit. Because I think Jimbo Fisher, the head coach, is safe. Oh, 100 percent. Jimbo yes. Fisher, the play caller, is where the issue is. I was right? about to say, so we're not up he, here talking about like the end of the Jimbo Fisher era. Oh, right. He no, just no, signed no. the number one recruiting class in the year last year, right? Like there's plenty of momentum going on in College Station. He just needs to bring in somebody from outside of his tree yeah. that he trusts to come in there and call plays and kind of reshape that offense, give them the keys and let them go to work. Sure. And if he refuses to do that because of like pride or ego or, you know, conservatism or whatever, I think this is what A and M football is. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not what you're paying ten million dollars for. Nope, so not it's just at all. kind of a it's a crossroads for Texas yeah, A&M and 100%. Jimbo Fisher as a, as a coach because if you know his whole career he's gotten jobs and been successful because he is a great offensive mind mm-hmm. and now people are telling him that it's passed him by. That's got to be hard pill to swallow. Sure, right? But like when you're getting when you're making ten million dollars a year, you got plenty of things to chase it down. Oh yeah. Know? So you know he it, it's just kind of it's not going to happen this year because right. it's the middle of the year and you know even if he gave away play calling duties to the OC right now I mean it's just him right you know? it's I was just, about to say it's just like it's just like his you <laughs> know guy <laughs> calling plays right. yeah. same thing I was about to say Damian Craig right going to call like plays the same, like come it's on the now. same thing right so yeah. he needs to go get a Jeff Levy like yeah. somebody who is like not in his tree that's not a former assistant that he Scott trusts Frost? 
<laughs> Man, <laughs> there are worse ideas, honestly. Yeah. He's a good play caller. He, he is a good play not caller. Good at time management. I was yeah. about to say, he might just not be a player game builder, but that is. Right. There but have been worse yeah, ideas thrown Scott around. Scott Frost <laughs> is going to go sit on a beach somewhere I was about to say. for a year or two and get that buyout money. Or he's, Yo, he's also going to yes. get. He's also going to go to that uh, tech, uh, that Alabama coach rehab. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's going to go be an analyst. He'll get, yeah. he'll get <laughs> car washed by Nick Saban exactly. and come out looking clean on the other side. But yeah, you know, all these coaches got to disappear for a year or two to keep that buyout money coming because if he takes another job like that then that buyout money goes away right exactly yeah. and so uh he'll so. tom herman it where he'll disappear for a couple of years and then he'll name his Reappear. name will pop up because uh, herman may be the next nebraska, next nebraska coach also that yeah. or texas a&m offense coordinator tom herman <laughs> um <laughs> you want to burn the bridges <laughs> yeah literally good anyway, lord that's so all i'm going to think about for the rest of the day <laughs> I go read, like I said, go read Craven's article is up right now on textfilbo.com is the first thing you see when you pop up over there. So be sure to get that a read. Before we get to our game previews, a little word from our sponsors at Athletes to Athletes. Every high school athlete wants to play on the big stage. Every parent wants their child to be the best. But is making your target list of schools based on top 25 rankings really the best strategy? What about academics, location, coaching style, financial aid? There are so many factors that should be considered when selecting a college program outside of on-field performance. Our friends at Athletes to Athletes have put together a recruiting guide centered around providing a broader, more holistic perspective about what your college experience should be. Complete with checklists, do's and don'ts, key strategies, and much more, this 22-page guide covers everything you and your family should know as you walk through your college recruiting journey. For a limited time, Athletes to Athletes is offering this guide to our audience for free. Just go to athletes2athletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell today to download the free college recruiting guide. That's athletes, T-O, athletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell. All right, Mallory, we have a slate of games this week, and we're going to start with the ones that we think are the juiciest. What do we got? Let's start off with Craven's college football game of the week, and that would be Texas A&M versus Miami. You can watch this game on ESPN. It's being played Saturday at 8 p.m. Texas A&M favored by five. The over-under set at 45. I love that picture of me because, like, Joey McGuire's is cut off <laughs> and right looks there. like somebody's ghost hand is behind <laughs> um, It's a good picture. <laughs> I honestly think – yeah, I'm not very photogenic, so anytime we find anything of me looking decent, That's like the fine. staple yeah, that's photo fine. of my That's Craven. fine. We'll keep that for the next 30 years. I honestly think – after everything we just said in the first segment, yes, I'm taking Texas A&M minus five. Like, I think A&M comes out and plays inspired football, plays yeah. a really good bounce-back game, and kind of puts this in the rearview mirror until the next time they lose. Mm. You know, like, I don't think it goes away for a while. I mean, we're talking about Texas A&M. The expectations are so high that the next time they lose a game, we'll just get right back into it. Sure. But I think you hear yourself get put down all week. Not just mm -hmm. Jimbo Fisher, but Haynes King, mm -hmm. the whole offense, the wide receivers, the offensive line's not very good. You know, Devon A-Chain's probably the only one getting praise on Texas A&M's offense right now. Right. So – you play against a Miami team that's only played against Bethune and Southern Miss. It's not like they've been tested, you know. And so I think A&M, 8 p.m., Kyle Field's going to be rocking. Their back's up against the wall. I think we're going to see a really inspired A&M performance. Now, does it last beyond week three? I don't think so. I think, you know, they come back crashing to earth, and they're probably somewhere in between the App State loss and what we see this week against Miami. Uh, but I think for at least one week, A&M gets explosive again on offense. They score some points. They do some creative things and get back on track. 
I think I agree with you because Miami is still under first year, you know, Mario Cristobal's yeah. first year in Miami, right? So he's still building something there. I don't think – also, here's the other thing. <laughs> They're also not an explosive offense. Right. Mario Cristobal's biggest criticism at Oregon was that his offense wasn't better. Right. And that he had a Joe Herbert and they still looked awful or at least pedestrian on offense. And so I think you're going to see an offense kind of play into Texas A&M's defense's hands. He's a physical runner. Right. He's a it's a lot of power. It's a lot of short, easy reads, yeah. things like that. I think you're going to see an offense kind of play into what A&M's good at, which is shutting that down. Mm -hmm. The problem, of course, comes on the other end. Mario Cristobal is a very good defense. He can he's he's an offensive coach, quote unquote, offensive coach. but He's a physical coach. He's really big on kind of imprinting his own persona, right? He's a former offensive line coach, things like that. His teams play physically. A&M's offense is not an offense that can really run you over right now. <laughs> Their offensive line is very brittle. Um, if, if you guys follow, of course, we're fans of Stats of War. Parker on Twitter, he put out his advanced stats preview, and it's not good for A&M. If you look at all their offensive numbers, it is a lot of dark red <laughs> on there. Yeah. You have 117th in EPA uh, uh, per pass. Uh, echo rate, which is, again, the amount of yards available that you take. They're 114th in that. They're 38th in rush EPA, which, okay, solid. But, that again, if Devonta Chain's not doing something explosive, what do you have going for you? I'm worried about that offensive line. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I do think they pull it out because I agree with you about, you know, this is a very, like, uh, player meeting type of uh, uh, week they've had, right? Hey, guys, we got to get our heads straight. Things Us like against that. the world. Right. Exactly. It's going to be that self-motivational type of game. So I agree that they're going to win. It's going to be an ugly game. Yeah. Like, I – 45, I'm going under. I'm hammering that under. Like, I am hammering – I'm honestly hammering that yeah. under. I would not be surprised if this is a 21 to 17 type game and we're just like, Jesus, what did we watch? Yeah. You're going to be there – it's not going to be last week where you were at Texas, uh, Texas and uh, Alabama where you're just like, oh, man, lights out, plays everywhere. It's going to be like, Jesus Christ, it's barely the third quarter. <laughs> <laughs> How do you miss that guy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I do think we see Max Johnson, right? Okay. I mean, because yeah. I, I mean, I, as fair. I mentioned in the article, Jimbo's not firing himself right. this week, right. right? And, like, the only thing you can do to, to just get a spark somehow is to inject a new quarterback. Yeah. Hopefully that takes Miami off guard. Max Johnson's played a lot of big-time football. You know, he's not going to be excellent, mm -hmm. right? But he's going to come in there and do what he's Something. supposed to do. And I, I think it gives Miami enough this week. Will yep. it last? No, but I, I think it's enough for this week. What's next, Mallory? Let's do my top college football game of the week in the great state of Texas. And that is UTSA at Texas this Saturday at 7 p.m. You can watch it on Longhorn Network. Texas favored by 11. The over-under set at 61 and a half. Meep, meep. Hammer that I think this line. has crazy upset potential. Hammer crazy that line. Potential. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Hammer that line. That is, We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be right now. Yeah. Um, I think presumably, of course, Hudson Card is good to go. Finish the game. We'll see. It's a weird high ankle sprain. That's kind of a red flag if you're me. So there's a very good chance that we see – Walk on Charles Wright. <laughs> He's got a scholarship. Oh, he does? Yeah, he okay. was. So, ironically, Charles Wright got that scholarship. He was committed to Iowa State forever. Yes. And then Quinn Ewers transferred, decommitted, and went to Ohio State. So, he so got Herman a, that was Quinn. A, right. Her, Herman needed a quarterback you know that what? class. Okay. And Charles Wright got offered in, like, October, November, or whatever. Committed Good on to you, Texas. Charles Wright. Shout out to uh, uh, Austin High. Yeah, great family. Great kid. Yeah. I covered him uh, on the recruiting beat. Awesome. Uh, he's in over his head, though. 
if he's, you know, like to come into your first college game. This UTSA team. He almost had to come in against Bama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think we see a lot of Wildcat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I yeah. think we see yeah. a lot of Rashawn yeah. Johnson Rose, yeah. at quarterback, Bajon Robinson next to him, a couple other running backs. Maybe we see the go go offense a little bit more this week than we saw it against Alabama. Um, you know, the the Brendan Marion special that, that Sark's kind of taken into his offensive philosophy. I think Texas wins this game. They they should be better in the trenches. UTSA's out without their presumed left tackle and without their starting right tackle. So it's gonna be hard for them to run the football. It's gonna all be Frank Harris and that receiving core. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Texas struggles to score the other way, too, unless they get that running game going, which hasn't been great. You mm-hmm. know, like last week, as well as they played, the running game wasn't very good again. You know, like right. that's why they couldn't go for it on fourth down. That's why they couldn't have success in the red zone. UTSA is going to be able to pass the ball, score some points, get vertically on them a few times. Uh, I think UTSA can stay around in this one and, and lose, right? But lose eight, nine, 10 points, not by 12, 13, 14 points. Yeah, I, I do too. I was just going to say, I think that this game comes at a really good time for UTSA too. I think that it would have been a worse situation for UTSA if Texas was coming off a, just an awful loss mm-hmm. to Alabama. I think they're kind of still coming off that high of a, hey, we didn't win, but there's a one-point loss. They may be overlooking this game a little bit, so I think that UTSA is getting this at a really, really good time. I mean, UTSA has been thinking about this game for 11 years. Exactly. <laughs> yes, seriously, Texas yes. hadn't probably spent 11 hours. Right. Texas is like, yeah, game. we're gonna look more into conference play right. in a like couple legitim- weeks. Like, this is just another this conference is the, USA. Right. This is the perfect team. letdown game. Yes. Exactly. You just had 105,000 people in your stands going Bingo. nuts. Bingo. Yeah. They're not going to do that for UTSA. Like, they're just not. Whether that's right or wrong, we can have that conversation. But, like, they're not going to do it. I can't wait to see this traveling crowd for UTSA. I was just about to say, and we we haven't seen Texas play four quarters of football but one time Uh in the last five or six years, right? Sure. I I have a hard time believing they're going to do it two weeks in a row. You know, so I think, again, I think Texas wins this game, but I think it's closer than than they would like going into the fourth quarter. I think that's a good point about if this is a blowout. Versus Bama, right? This is 38-10. UT sees this as a pissed-off get-right game, right? They're like, no, we got to – there's no chance these guys are coming in and upsetting us, right? Now it's like, is there a little bit more – because of everybody's gassing them up a little bit, right? After a loss, people are still like, hey, Texas Texas back. Look at that, right, exactly. Is Yeah, I agree. And here's the other thing that I want to ask you. Is Texas going to face better receivers than they did last week? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is nuts. At to least say. more consistent. Yes, at least ready receivers. made right now. Right. Yes. right. Maybe NFL draft scouting combine. Right. Maybe, you know, like the talent's not there. Uh, but they're not going to drop a lot of those passes. They're going to be in the right spots. Mm-hmm. They're going to catch the ball. Like Frank's going to put up 300 yards passing. Yeah. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, that Texas defense is feeling itself this week. I think it gets a little bit of a reality check and, and it goes like, oh, we're not as good as we were last week Mm -hmm. yeah you know like some of that was alabama playing bad right um and so and some of it was texas played out of the world Mm -hmm. you know and it's just hard to do that week in week out against a team that you're supposed to beat exactly so i think utsa sees this as they had their quote-unquote moment against houston i think they see this as another one they let that one get away from them let's not let this happen if it presents itself to us so this is like a 37 27 type game exactly they've also been in two overtime games yeah, well. that's, that's the concern for like UTSA. They might be tired. Is they're, they're spent. They're gassed. Sure. You, know, yeah. you, you play against Houston, triple overtime, Army, which is always kind of a challenging, weird yeah. game to play against. You now out. you got to go play and tackle Bajon Robinson and cover Xavier Worthy. That, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's pretty who do tough. You do? How do you, who does that on the roster? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, who covers Jatavion Sanders? Like, yeah. I, I have yeah. no idea. But uh, I do think UTSA is able to score enough points to, to keep it within 10. Yep. Good point. What's next? 
Let's do your college football game let's do of it. the week. Text it, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not let's not have that as your game of the week because I didn't get my game of the week, so you don't get yours. <laughs> let's let's make the record see. clear that was not my actual game of the week. So Texas Tech travels to NC State this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN two. Texas Tech. Not favored in this game. NC State favored by 10.5. The over-under set at 55.5. Listen, NC State's been trying to lose a game that they shouldn't lose for a while now. Anytime I feel like NC State has like any momentum, I believe they're 16th in the AP They're not program. that good. They're, they're very, I think they're very solid. They are a very solid program that consistently gets punched up yeah. that where they shouldn't be. And I think Tech is, like, the perfect opponent for, like, knocking them back down to probably where they potentially could be. They should yeah. have lost to East Carolina. East Carolina. Yes. Absolutely. And, of course, they blew out. I don't know. They played some FCS team last week. Um, and so, sure, they uh, cool. They beat them. Uh, Charleston Southern. Man, Texas Tech, this is, this is their chance, man. This is their this chance is to their go chance. on the road to a team that probably should have a loss already and is playing – not great. Again, East Carolina's done a good job of building themselves up. I think Mike Houston's done a good job there um, building themselves to what they should be, which is scaring the other Carolina schools that they should be. Um, but NC State should have a loss. And I think Texas Tech is a team that they're getting back to that Leachian, mm-hmm. oh, crap, they can put up 50 anytime they want, right? And I think it comes down to Donovan Smith. I think it's going to come down to whether or not those mistakes he made last week can be limited. If, if he... I guess it's, it kind of comes into question, is that just what you get when you get Donovan Smith, right? If Does does Joey McGuire know that if you have Donovan Smith at quarterback, he's going to give you the two to three picks, but he's going to give you two touchdowns, 80 on the ground, whatever, some crazy plays by himself? Or does he realize, Does he think you can kind of reel him in, right? Mm-hmm. To maybe if he's not doing as much wild card stuff in the backfield, that he can just his targets. He can just kind of work the way down the field. Because if that happens, I think this team. I think this team can go in there and win. Absolutely. I think it's the first one. I think with Donovan Smith, you're going to give up. You're going to have some saw last quote year, unquote too. boneheaded plays, right? Yes. Or bad decisions or bad throws. But it's going to be counteracted by four, five, six plays that Tyler Shuck just can't make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we saw why Tyler Shuck won the job yeah. in that Houston game with Donovan Smith throwing those three interceptions in the second half and let Houston kind of get back into it. Good on Donovan yep. Smith for rebounding, taking over in overtime and winning that game for Texas Tech. Uh, I feel like this is one of those games that's going to calibrate the way we thought for the six months leading into the season mm-hmm. where North Carolina State hasn't been playing as well as everybody thinks that they they should have been. So we're going to dog North Carolina State, and the line's going to go down. Texas Tech beats Houston, and a lot of people didn't think that was going to happen. So Texas Tech's riding high. And, like, this is the game that reality comes back to earth with, right? Fair. That this is still Joey McGuire in his first year, first true road game with a backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that the defense is as good as we've seen the last couple of weeks. That's my biggest concern. I think NC State scores some points here, and and NC State covers. I. If Texas Tech wins this game and goes three and zero to start Joey McGuire's, ten- they, they may give him a Jimbo type extension, right. which is like on the field just to keep everybody like else that. away, right? Yeah. Like he's gonna like that story. Like it will start. Mm-hmm. Like ESPN just wrote a story about Joey and Jet. Mm-hmm. Like it will start very very quickly, right? And so you know, I, I think this is one of those mean games, you know, where sure. you regress back to your mean mm-hmm. both sides. And North Carolina State wins this game, and we're we're still going. Okay, well, Texas Tech is a year or two away. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things that stood out to me that I didn't really realize until I started looking stuff up for this game, Texas Tech's starting field position has not been great this year. They started roughly around the 29. They have not really had much from the return game. And that plays into NC State's defense. NC State does have a really solid defense. They can really shut the – Shut the run game down, which, again, we're still trying to figure out what that is under Zach Kitley, right? Is that a tool you want to use, uh-huh. or is that kind of like a, eh, that's plan C after plan A and B or pass the ball? <laughs> um, but I do think that's the one thing I'm kind of looking forward to. I'm kind of interested in seeing is this is the game, in my opinion, that we'll see kind of if the run game is a factor, right? If Taj Brooks, Roderick Thompson are, I mean, in my opinion, heading into the year, you probably thought they were their first and second best skill position players. Yeah. Um are they that in terms of the options on offense, or are they tertiary as far as the passing game goes? I think this is the type of environment that you'll need to do that into because I don't know if you want Donovan Smith going out there throwing 50 times on the road against a ranked team. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and I think this is about how they start. I think those scripted drives are going to be really important, first two drives, because you're going to see, okay, we trust Donovan Smith to really sling it. Okay, cool. We're, they're going 80% passing. Or they want some balance. They want to be able to control some of the game a little bit. I don't know. Joey McGuire preached a lot of that, right? He preached balance, right, when when, when he first took the job. But then he hired then he went and hired Zach Kidley. So is that officially out the window? Or were there those more of the game circumstances last week against Houston? You're having to rally back, things like that. Are those Were those just game situations presenting themselves differently to where it leaned towards throwing the ball a lot more? I think this is where we kind of figure that out too. I mean, going into this game, it's like, can Texas Tech get to six, seven wins? If they win this game, can Tech get to eight, nine wins? You know, this kind of changes expectations in Lubbock mm-hmm. based on this game. So uh, a really important game for Joey. I know he's he's really excited to kind of see how his team responds on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, just to you kind of learn a little bit more about your program in those kind of ways. So uh, a big game for Texas Tech. I think yeah. a big measuring stick game for them. You said this was the mean game. I think the mean run is coming for them because, yeah. I mean, I hate doing the schedule thing, but after this game, home against Texas at Kansas State, at number eight, Oklahoma State. Yeah. I think that if uh, again they probably could lose this week, but I think the run is coming where maybe they go zero and three, one and two, where it's like ooh maybe you know it reminds us what this year actually is for for the Red Raiders. Right, and to throw another little nugget at Texas Tech, NC State doesn't te- like really typically do well against Power Five opponents in the non-conference schedule. Mm, they mm. they have gone one and eight versus non-conference Power Five ooh. teams in the regular season. Look at so that drop. They right. are All right, well. not really good when they play good teams yeah. in non-conference play. Look at that. Teams outside of the ACC, I guess. It may change say. my bet. So. <laughs> I don't know. But with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to our last top matchup of the week, which Mallory's is – Mallory's game of the week. My game of the week. <laughs> Your real game of the week. <laughs> SMU <laughs> at Maryland. You can watch this game on uh, FS1. At uh, Saturday at 6.30 p.m., SMU not favored. Maryland is favored by three and a half over under at 74, which seems very fair to I'll, me. I'll take, I'll take I the take heat here. The over oh, on that. I'll take the heat here. I'm the one that made Mallory change the <laughs> – Change her game, her game of the week. <laughs> I feel like that's been. Like, we got two Texas yeah. teams playing. Yeah. We're picking. It, we're yeah. picking it as a game of the week. I'm right. riding the ponies yeah. this week. I'm I'm secretly riding the ponies this week. Let's go. I think we're gonna learn a lot. I mean, kind of like the Texas Tech thing, right? Sure. Like in year one, you learn more about that program, their first true road game against an equal or a little bit better competition than you do anywhere else. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about SMU so far. We know they're better than North Texas. We knew that. We know that they're better than, you know, an FCS team. We, mm-hmm. we knew that, right? So 
what does Rhett Lashley's team look like on the road? Does it still look like this explosive offense? Does that defense stay doing really well? I'm kind of with Mallory. I, I'm kind of like on the SMU bandwagon. I think SMU is really good. They're used to having a lot of success early in the year. Tanner Mordecai looks excellent. Rasheed Rice is on pace to be you know, the most prolific wide receiver in the state, and mm-hmm. we have some good ones to choose from, right? So if you're if you're the most, pro, you know, he's, he's got better numbers than Nathaniel Dell through two weeks, Xavier Worthy, Zachary Franklin, the kid's balling. And so if that defense can play for Scott Simons how they have the first two weeks, I think SMU has a real chance to go on the road and pull an upset, not only cover, but to win this one outright. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think you look at the line, and I think it's it's pretty typical, right? Home field advantage, yeah. basically, is what they're P5 giving P5 versus G5. Right, exactly. And, man, are we going to know what this defense is about? Because yeah. Talia Tagovailoa is legit for Maryland. He yeah. might be their best quarterback in my lifetime. Honestly, I'm trying to think of the last time Maryland had a really good quarterback. Right. And this is going to absolutely be what defense can make the play. Because you're looking at, at least as far as Parker's numbers go, the number four and the number seven passing per uh, teams passing per EPA in the country. And Mike Loxley is one of the best offensive play callers that we've seen. He's from that Bama Saban tree of this recent generation of spread them out. Of course, we know what Red Lashley is about. I'm really, really fascinated to see what defense can come up with the play. Because based off the first couple weeks, you want to lean SMU, right? You want to see, you want to feel like they're the ones that can make that play. But I don't know, is that just competition, right? They've only played Lamar, and then they played a UNT team that they were clearly better than. Maryland, I don't know. I'm not not going to act like a Maryland expert here, right? So I can't really say if they're going to be the, the defense step up. I think they played Buffalo and Charlotte, and Charlotte looks really down this year. So really can't – really <laughs> – you really don't know. I think this past week we kind of saw SMU really dig into the bench a lot and see what their rotation players are about. I wonder how much we're going to see that again because, you know, Kamar Wheaton didn't play. It was a lot of TJ McDaniel getting back on the field, things like that. I wonder if we're going to see – I wonder how much of that was not letting them really know what's out there on offense because Tanner Mordecai only had 212 against Lamar, so they pulled him pretty early. So I wonder how much they haven't shown yet as far as Red Lashley is concerned. So – I don't know, because I think there are some more wrinkles to that offense that we're not familiar oh, 100, with. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think this is about the SMU defensive line. Mm-hmm. If they sure. can get pressure sure. and help out that secondary that wasn't very good last year. I, I do think, yeah, to, to add on to Mallory's nugget uh, thing here, Devere, Le- Devere Levelston is going to be out for the first half. They mm. they tried oh, to okay. appeal the, the targeting call last week. It didn't work, and so he's going to be out the first half. How much does that impact SMU? That's probably their best pass rusher, so right. we'll see. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say, too, Maryland's – offense is pretty prone to mistakes too they've mm. they've made quite a bit of mistakes in the in the past two games and like you said it was buffalo and charlotte so if they're playing if they're they're prone to making mistakes against teams that they shouldn't be sure what are they going to look like against SMU? which of course could go the other way are they going to clean their game up a little bit more sure. because they're playing a better team but like we saw smu go into north texas they took advantage of all of those mistakes that north texas was making so this is a team that can take advantage of those mis- kinds of turnovers and mistakes that they make so it could be kind of an advantage for SMU going in. Yeah, that's a good game. point. I'm trying to actually look up Tagovailoa's numbers because I remember he started off last year really hot. Yeah, and I think he tailed off when he started playing Big Ten like better competition. Exactly. And so yep. I wonder. That's a good point about. Yeah, because he had I mean five picks against Iowa, but Iowa was great. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't I think he only played two Big Ten games without an interception, and he went into a conference play with no interceptions, and he finished with 11 on the season. Yeah. So. 
it's something to watch, right? He is in, he is he is turnover prone. He's not perfect, right? This is still a Maryland, still not an elite program. So like this is still probably a game that SMU can absolutely get. So yep. I think three is the right line, um, and I would not be shocked if the Mustangs come out with a win. Let's move into the lightning round now. Boom. Shout out to Tepper. He's the one who gave us this idea of calling it the lightning round. <laughs> Don't ever the, shout out Greg Tepper. <laughs> I was about to say, what, what is this? Whose show nice. is this, Mallory? No. no. I'm being nice. No. Whose show is this? Your no. show. His, 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 our show, first of all. Don't say <laughs> my show. show. Come on, I'm not yeah. that selfish. That's two strikes in a row. <laughs> Ignoring my credit. You, know, yeah, you guys can produce your own show. <laughs> no, we can't. No, we can't. Come back. Come back, Mallory. Greg Tepper's I apologize. on every damn thing in this office. Oh, <laughs> We're not putting him on right. here, too. This is a Greg Tepper free hour. Yes. Greg Tepper Hashtag Greg Tepper free hour. I'll yes. just put that on the lower third. I was about to say, just now. have that consistently <laughs> on the lower third. That'd be great. I'm going to make a, a thumbnail. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, here is actually Isha's game of the week. Texas State traveling to Baylor, which we will both be at, by yes, the way. As fans. As fans. Don't expect, don't uh, expect live, live coverage live. from this game from <laughs> me. I'm not going to be live tweeting this Also, game. it's 11 a.m. kick, so we're, pro- we're probably both going to be very tired from Friday night going <sighs> to high school yeah. football games. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm going to be bombed by 10 a.m. Yeah. Anyways, this game is... Like I said, on Saturday at 11 a.m., you can watch it on FS1. Baylor is favored by 30 points. Not Listen. enough. The over-under is Listen, 51 hold and on, a half. Hold on, wait, Two wait, of those points wait. may be scored by Texas State. Stop. <laughs> Maybe. Stop. If they can even get a safety, Stop. I don't, can I don't we? know. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to look a lot like SMU North Texas. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. One, did we not see – this Texas State team play a better Baylor team better last year. That's true. Did we not see that was this before, Baylor offense yeah. look mid as hell against BYU last week? Now, I'm not saying they're going to win. All right, let me, let me <laughs> just right, let, preface yeah, that let's, right now. Let's get that out of the way <laughs> Now, I'm not saying te- – <laughs> He's getting, like, really – I know. Angry. I was like, do you really like, – What I'm saying – what I'm saying is – That line's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I guess that I'll take lines that. a lot. Yeah. I think this is uh, Blake Shaven's going to pass for 900 yards. You know, like I only with, I with what th- arm? I almost, <laughs> saw him last week. I almost think it's bad that BYU did so well against Baylor's offense because oh, Jeff Grimes slinging it now. Yeah, I really do think I really do think this Probably. is one of those like confidence <laughs> building games for the Baylor passing attack. Yeah. Listen, you're a Texas. Although State the Bell Bobcat. Brothers have been great. Oh, Bell Brothers have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Man. been on PFF. Team of the week, two yeah, weeks in they, a row. I think they are they are the standout for this defense, and I, I love them very much. Um, listen, Park. your Texas State Bobcats, yours and mine, and by yours I mean the general public. Your Texas State Bobcats, <laughs> All right. they will cover. All right, I'm throwing that down right, right. now. Ishmael's lock of the week. They Put will a cover. barbecue lunch on it. <laughs> Did you? Uh, did hey, you, calm down. So y'all re- that can get that can get expensive. Here, let's talk. Let's talk a different type yeah. of lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Beef prices have gone up. Craven. So y'all recorded Craven's bets before this. Dude. Yep. Can you give us a little sneak peek? Did you pick? I did not. I stayed away from this game because the line is is so big, and I really okay. don't. Jokes aside, I don't know what the Baylor offense really looks like, yeah. I, and I don't know if Dave Aran is one of those guys that just humiliates teams like right. If, right, you know right. if he gets up 21, 28. Is he a burn half, it down coach? I, I just don't <laughs> think he is. Right. You know, and so. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Texas State covered this one. I still kind of have that Nevada second half burned into my oh, brain. Oh, trust me, I do too. Yeah. And so if they can avoid turnovers and avoid a bunch of penalties, I mean, they can stay in it. Baylor wasn't very yeah. good. We will, we will be there. Come say hi. Don't expect live coverage of this game unless you want like my emotional reactions, which all I'll be, which is what I'll be tweeting out mostly. So. <laughs> it will be. It a lot of a lot of emojis. We'll yeah, a lot that. of emojis sure, and a lot of memes. So yeah, yeah, basically. So let's move on to our next lightning round. Our next lightning round game of the week 
North Texas traveling to Las Vegas to play UNLV. That game happening this Saturday at 2 p.m. You can watch it on Mountain West Network. That is a thing. <laughs> uh, UNLV favored by three points. The over-under set at 62. I think that's that's a little high. <laughs> I think Vegas set this line like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, UNLV is not good. It's a pick like, yeah. It's a pick em game. We'll just yeah. give... Las Vegas, you know, UNLV three points just right. to be in the home on team the road, or whatever. Yeah. Or I, North Texas on the road, yeah. Um, yeah, UNLV is not very good. Uh, but North Texas, when they're not playing UTEP, isn't either. You know, so <laughs> exactly. like I have – That's a high. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. That's a high like, line. I have all the games on this sheet for this week. Mm-hmm. This one is the most confusing to me. Like I, yeah. I, if North Texas wins by 21 points because they just run the ball down UNLV's throat – doesn't Possible. shock me. Yeah. If Possible. UNLV just shuts down the North Texas offense and wins this thing by 20 points, does not shock me. I have no – I'm just being honest. I have yeah. no right. idea what's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not going to act like I know either. Um, <laughs> Shout out Coach Arroyo, though. I, I do like him. At, That's at, true, at yeah. UNLV is a great guy. It's, it's, he, was, he was kind of a weird hire. They kind of basically tried to see if he could do what he did with Bishop Gorman. And yeah. Like, yeah. With UNLV. Hasn't worked out so far. He went 2-10 and 10 last year. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Their one win was against Idaho State. They played close against Cal, but I don't think Cal's very good either. Scared UTSA to death, too, last year. That's true. They did play. They did scare UTSA. So, I don't know. I I can't tell you that I'm familiar with UNLV. I'm kind – I don't know if that leans itself to say, like, I'd be really disappointed if, like, this isn't a win for UNT. Because I I feel like I do know that there is a bowl team in there, right? Somewhere in that identity, there is a bowl team and a team that should be playing for for bowl uh, eligibility. And I think they should be able to separate themselves from a team that's really – that basically hired a, a, a talent acquisition guy from the high school ranks to do the same, and he hasn't really yet. So at least right now, I feel like UNT should have that separate uh, separation of talent. The only yeah. thing I know is that the Mountain West is better than Conference USA. Fair. And that kind of gives me a little bit of pause there. You sure. know, it's like we see this every year in a bowl game, yeah. not just with North Texas, but with most Conference USA teams. And so these out-of-conference games always scare me with Conference USA teams because I have no idea if they're good or not because I see them play against Rice and those kind of teams, right. you know, like Charlotte and that kind of stuff. Like, how do you know? So mm-hmm. we'll learn a lot about North Texas, I think, on Saturday. Yep. Up next, Houston hosting the 2-0 and Kansas Jayhawks. This Saturday at 3 p.m., you can watch it on ESPNU. Houston favored by 10. The over-under set at 58. Take the over. Take the over. Kansas right now, for those who don't know, is the leading offense in America. (laughs) Houston is due to explode offensively. I think this has, like, really fun shootout future Big 12 weirdness going Mm -hmm, on here. And so uh, Kansas is better than you think. Uh, Houston has struggled more than people imagine. You know, they've only scored 10 points, points total in two first half. So I think for Houston, this is about a quick start and finding other wide receiver targets not named Nathaniel Dell. Yes. Does Matthew Golden, does somebody like Sean Carter, does like somebody step up and be the other guy? That's what Houston needs right now. This is a game, too, that like Houston has started pretty slow the past two games mm-hmm. this season. This is a game that they, they cannot start slow. Yeah, you've got to come out, like you said. Quick. Exactly. You've got to start quick, or you're not going to be able to catch up to I Kansas agree. because I they've agree. scored a lot of points already. This ain't your daddy's Kansas anymore. Or actually, I, I don't know. It might be because <laughs> your dad probably saw Mark Mandino's yeah, Kansas. Right. So, like, it's it, my Kansas. I was about to say, yeah. 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 So it's I, my Kansas. <laughs> I, this is, like, they're really good. Lance yeah. Leipold's done something. They beat really West Virginia fun. last week. They beat West Virginia last That's week. That's a good win. And they probably, that probably shouldn't have went to overtime. Like, I know if I was Nebraska. Nebraska, who I'd call? Oh, 100, 1,000 percent. Because if you yeah. can do this at Kansas, 1,000 percent. Do it at Nebraska. And he did it at Buffalo. Yep. Like he's 
look, Jalen Daniels is one of the best young quarterbacks in the he's you know, he started as a seventeen year old back in twenty twenty, <laughs> like which yeah. is wild. Um so he's entering his third year now is basically more or less a competitive starting quarterback. They have a really potent rushing attack on their hands. Dual threat, like you I don't know. All I'm saying, I think Houston will win. I think it'll be fine. Just watch out. Yeah. Right. Just wa- do not look at this game as Kansas, oh whatever. We talked about this last year. When even when they beat Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Of course they shouldn't have beaten Texas, but we were saying there's some inklings of Kansas not being a joke. And now we're starting to see that this year is the year that they're not going to be a joke. So if it's tied heading into the fourth quarter, I don't want everybody throwing pitchforks in the air. Oh my God, this program is falling apart. Yeah. No, Kansas might actually be pretty good. Yeah. And Houston's played two back-to-back overtime games. And Just like UTSA, they're right. tired. Like they, yeah. they might be if tired. They start, this gets close if the they start half. slow again. Yep. Yep. They will be down 14 nothing. I guarantee you. Yep, 100%. May not be able to come back. All right, second to last on our list, Rice hosting Louisiana. This Saturday at 6.30 p.m., you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Louisiana favored by 12. The over-under set at uh, 50.5. I don't have much for this. Just don't lose another quarterback. Like, if you're Rice, you're just <laughs> yeah. trying to get to Conference USA, play as healthy as possible. Seriously. You play Louisiana this week, Houston next week. It's just a brutal non-conference schedule. Started with USC. So if you're Rice, this is just about like staying healthy, surviving, and, and maybe making this one closer than the experts think. Yeah, I think so too. Remember, remember McNeese? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> they played when they beat McNeese. <laughs> I hope they. That's all I got. I hope they. I hope they hang on to that that feeling of, yeah. of a dominant uh, good win. I'll say this: those Rice helmets are awesome. Oh, those are, are their sick. Their uniforms are yeah. sick. Those are sick. They've got oh. some really sick. I just uniforms. hate that they're using them on games yeah. that they probably shouldn't <laughs> they should use them on better games um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. anyway moving on let's hit up our last game of the week utep traveling to new mexico another rival this saturday at 7 p.m you can watch it on mountain west network as well yes that is still a thing utep favored by three the over under said 39. I'm sorry. The over and under. <laughs> I'm laughing, and I even watched a game on Mountain West Network <laughs> when Texas State played Nevada, but I'm still laughing at the joke. Uh, <laughs> the over and under is at 39. For those who are wondering how bad people think this game is going to be, <laughs> that's an NFL over and under. Like that is bad. that's unheard of. And yeah. I have a rule as a gambler that if I see a line under 40, I take it. Yeah, yeah. sure. And so I I know I know that I drove the UTEP fan bus through most of the off season, but I have we're already to, jumped we're off. We're changing of it. drivers now. We're, I've left it doing, in the ditch. We're I'm doing that charter bus st- pit stop where they change drivers. Yeah. Somebody oh, gets out. It's like, right, yeah, I'm out, man. man. Yeah. That man. second half against New Mexico state was putrid. Yeah. yeah. Had that lasted another 10 minutes, New Mexico state wins that game or at least forces overtime. UTEP scored mm. three points in the second half after being up 17 to nothing. New Mexico state put in a quarterback that could move. And you would thought that like, Football changed, you know, like they had never seen that before or something right. like that. Like, yeah. UTEP bad. They're having some behind-the-scenes kind of trouble stuff. They had a cornerback suspended indefinitely. So, uh, tough times for, for Dana Dimmel and UTEP. Now, Breon if they win this still football out. game. What? Breon Hayward's still out? Yes. yes. Breon Hayward's yeah, still out. That front four is not playing too great defensively. Not a lot of sacks there. Not turning the ball over. And the wide receiver position has taken such a step back mm-hmm. that it's bled over into Gavin Hardison's play. It doesn't look like the same quarterback at all. I honestly think New Mexico may pull the upset here and just win outright, much less cover the three. Is this going to be a future conference matchup? I can't remember no. if New Mexico was invited to. I don't to believe so. I don't believe USA. so. I think they're okay. I think they're comfortable with uh, in the being Mountain in the West. Mountain West. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. 
there. That's kind of a weird regional conference that's pretty comfortable with itself. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. I The thing that's going to really be interesting to me is the reception if they do lose this game because then it starts turning to all right what 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 is this what actually is this program right Mm -hmm. we thought it was the one on the up last year we thought it was you know it's I don't want to say it's it's only up from here but it was like okay here's the level you can kind of build around that you're gonna have some ups and downs if they lose this game it's starting to look like a potentially really down year for them right because unless they can guarantee that things turn around in conference which possibly can again we talked about conference usa not being very good this year unless that guaranteed unless that happens guaranteed i'll tell you what they go to, they play boise next week and boise hasn't i know boise hasn't looked good but they're still i'd still take them at, in that game i don't know like it's starting to really it would really worry me if they drop this game and if they drop this game convincingly yeah. Like if this is a double digit loss of some kind, you're like, oh, what actually is happening? Was it literally just Jacob Cowing and Justin Garrett carrying everybody last year and just like dragging them to the finish line, right? And guys like Praise and Brian uh, Hayward like doing their thing on defense, or you know, I don't know. It, it this is a this is to me this is a very big narrative game for Dana Dimmel for what he's building for that staff because I do. You mentioned it. We like what they were building, yeah. right? We like the players. We like the direction. We like the play style. We thought they were going to be physical on defense, and they just haven't been any of that this yeah. year. And they're in danger of losing the city. Sure. You know, like losing the momentum yep. within the city. You know, yeah. like they have like a 90% increase in attendance through two home games compared to last year. Mm-hmm. It's like 110% compared to five years ago. Sure. Like they sold out in week one against New Mexico. They had a pretty good crowd – or against UNT – they had a pretty good crowd for New Mexico State since that's a rivalry game. They lose this game against New Mexico. Nobody's coming back for the mm-hmm. rest of the year. Nope. It's a show me city. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff to do there. Not a lot of people there went to UTEP. You know, it's like if they're good, we'll go. If they're not, we'll find something else to do. Right. Uh, if they lose to to Mex- New Mexico, which isn't a good Mountain West team, it's mm-hmm. a team that they should be beating. I, I think it gets really hard for Dana Dimmel to build not only the confidence within his locker room, but just within the support system around the team. Yep. Yep. So there you go. There is all of our games this week. All righty. So, Craven, we talked about this a little bit, how much things can change just like in a week in college football. Right. All of a sudden we're talking about – or not even a, you know, a couple weeks. All of a sudden we're talking about, geez, what's going on in El Paso. All of a sudden we're talking about, is Jimbo Fisher actually a pretty good offensive coach? Right. Uh, Which are well, opposite narratives than sure. all offseason. Exactly. You the know? entire offseason was about, right. man, look A&M, what they're building. A&M scores the number one recruiting class ever. Yep. UTEP's coming off of seven wins, you know, has a lot of t- a lot of the team back. <laughs> we're going into week three, and we're like, ah, oh, I stink. The sky is falling. <laughs> you know, and that's just like for six months, you think you have a handle on something, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, well, nope, I was wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is, right? Because we're, we're, we're part of that narrative, right? Sure, we're the 100%. ones that, like, you know, Craven talks. He's like, oh, I talked to so-and-so. He's really up on so-and-so. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. So I look into it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. right. That's that awesome. And so for six months, we're just – Exactly. Yeah. We're feeding into the hype. We're doing all this. I feel single-handedly responsible for building up the hype around UTEP's front seven on yeah. defense. Like, well, I've heard be, it on, like, four fair, or five different radio shows. they haven't had the full front seven. Right. So uh, I've heard on, like, yeah. four or five different, like, radio shows. Or, yeah. like, online, you know, it's like, well, DCTF thought their front seven was going to be a lot better. It's like, oh. yeah, we did. We did. Mm, we did. Yeah, yeah. We did. <laughs> I do think losing Breon Hayward was huge. No, that's you know, gigantic. You, you, you know, lose, you lose Katie tackle? Davis from, like, North Texas, right? You're going to take I, a step back. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a big week in the state of Texas. They all are, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll be fun. I will say the one thing that we are not ashamed to do is eat crow. Oh, no. So if we get something wrong, hey. 
Right. We'll own up to it, right? We'll talk about how wrong we were, why we thought about that, and things like that. So I, this is just all guesswork. I was oh, about to say yeah. it's all it. That's all These the top twenty-five poll shows is. Are hard. Yeah, yeah, they're hard to do. The coaches don't, don't even know what's going to happen. Right. right. You know, none well, of, especially none. especially like before conference play starts too, because I mean, sure. like like we said, we don't know much about Maryland. Mm-hmm. We don't know much about UNLV. So well, it's like, hard to to guess because we're not studying up on these teams week after week. Well, like Mallory, you you I'm gonna this last thing I want to hint on. You brought up a great stat. When we were talking about in the office, when we were talking about Texas Tech, and we yes. thought, "Oh, look, here's a you know, if he just gets to a bowl, right? They're on. The, they had they received votes." Yeah. And what was the stat you threw out, Mallory? You were early? listening. I didn't realize you were listening. I was. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Ish will it trick was, you. He was. Yeah. He he'll, will trick he'll, you. he'll listen to you. So it was uh, Joey McGuire will be the third head coach in Texas Tech football mm-hmm. that they will they will be he'll be. I, let me let me look it up because it it's hard. It's hard to say. Since he, he'll be in his first year to get ranked in the top. 20. In his, yes. yes, in his first year to get ranked in the top ten. So there top have 25. been three top twenty-five. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, there have been three. So the first one was Jim Carlin back in uh, nineteen seventy. They were ranked number seventeen. That was his first year. Mm-hmm. And then of course the next was Cliff Kingsbury. That was back in 2013, Excuse me. Uh, they were ranked number ten. So Joey McGuire will be the third head coach in the program that will be they'll be ranked yeah in his first as, year in his first year if yeah. they, if yeah, they can win on saturday yeah. if they can win on saturday yeah. so yes. yeah like i said like we were talking about uh, did they make a bowl game this year you know all of a sudden he can shut us up if they go three and oh and they're ranked and all of a sudden yeah. oh you, yeah cool they're they're great turns out you know so it just shows how much things go into how much get like you mentioned guesswork goes into projecting and then how much reality can just flip everything back on its head and we'll talk about it you know we'll we'll be open to that exactly so. makes it more and, fun i mean way. and they won in double overtime yeah true right, right so right. like one bounce of the ball goes the other way and they're one and one we're not having this conversation sure right. you know 100%. so i mean houston could be zero and two right now <laughs> right you know very easily very easily. right so like it's just the, the margins are so small that one or two plays can dictate if you look like an idiot or you look like a genius. You know? like that's that's gambling, yeah. you know, and that's, yep. that's true for everything. Yep. So, with that being said, we have had 12 of the future 13 FBS head coaches. Shout out Sam Houston State. Jimbo Fisher, you might want to talk to Craven about his article. You can correct him on some things if you want. You might want to jump on and do that. You good, Craven? <laughs> you good, man? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm laughing at the idea of Jimbo Fisher calling me up. Won't happen. Won't happen. Hey, man, what's going on? Saw that article. Saw that article. I want to talk about that. Anyway, hey, look, that would count as an interview. Yeah, that would be great. I'd I'd record (laughs) Record that. Please call me. (laughs) So, Coach Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call. Go Rutgers.